Do you remember the old TV show, The Twilight Zone? Rod Sarling was the host, and each week they'd take you into another dimension of sight and sound and of the mind. And oftentimes there was a hidden lesson to go along with it, a moral lesson that the censors would often overlook because, hey, it's just a silly science fiction story, right? Go back even farther, and Frankenstein offered a warning about the dangers of messing with nature's law. This past year, the film Get Out tackled sensitive issues of race within the guise of a horror sci-fi film. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, and this is Trinity University's Learning Together podcast series featuring faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who have established themselves as experts in their fields. As part of the university's lifelong learning initiative for alumni, this series features discussions and presentations on a variety of subjects, and today's episode takes you into the Trinity First Year Experience course called Science Fiction. Taught by music professor Kimberlyn Monford and German professor Heather Sullivan. Science fiction allows them to grapple with larger questions of life, but also questions that are large to someone who might be 18 years old. Doctors Monford and Sullivan will share their experiences in teaching this course from a team teaching format to explore complex issues from Trinity's unique interdisciplinary approach. This is Kimberlyn Montford with the Department of Music, and I am one of the faculty members that are teaching in the science fiction first year experience. Good morning, this is Heather Sullivan, and I'm in the Department of Modern Languages and Literatures. I teach German and Comparative Literature, and I too have taught in the first year experience on science fiction. So to kind of get started, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, our experience and um, our science fiction interests. So um, my research area has actually very little to do with science fiction. Um, I actually teach uh, a number of different music history courses, and my research area is in the sacred music of 17th century Rome. However, um, I have such an ardent interest in science fiction. I remember reading it from the time I was about seven or eight years old and not getting many of the concepts, um, but really latching on to the excitement and into the wonder of science fiction. So when the um, option came up of teaching in this first year experience, I jumped at it. I, in fact, work mostly on Johann Wolfgang Goethe, who is a poet and scientist of the 18th, 19th century. However, my research has long been in literature and science and recently ever more with an environmental question. I work in environmental humanities and I've been reading a lot of science fiction in terms of climate change and other possible alterations from human activities. And so I'm not just a fan of science fiction, I'm that too, but also I have been writing on science fiction's depiction of the human environment relationship though these texts include older texts from the 18th, 19th century as well as 20 and 21st century. And it's been a pleasure to integrate that research and interest and long-term fun reading into a academic experience with the students. So um, why don't we get started just talking a little bit about the first year experience because that's a relatively new concept here at Trinity. This is our third year teaching. And then uh, maybe we can just kind of talk about how uh, we're approaching it through science fiction. So 
Yeah, so first of all, this, um, as Kimberlin says, the first year experience itself is a really exciting um, contribution to getting students started in their understanding of university level research, writing, reading, and scholarship. Um, and so it includes both the seminar course where we talk about the text um, from a very wide array of interdisciplinary perspectives, including scientists, mathematicians, philosophers, literary scholars, music scholars, art scholars, and this wide array helps us and helps the students see the different possible approaches to these ideas. The second part of the course is the writing experience where they actually write dedicated um, analyses of these texts with a heavy emphasis on good high-level academic writing at the university. Um, and it's the combination of the two that makes up the first-year experience. Science fiction, of course, is a particularly wonderful way to get into both of these questions of reading and writing. And what I find so exciting about this course, Heather, is that um, even though the content really of the first year experience is getting students to think critically mm -hmm. and to get them to articulate their thoughts in writing and, and orally um, through discussion and presentations, um, that we can actually find a content area that will really jazz the students. They get to select um, I think they get maybe four or five choices that mm -hmm. they, they, they select, I mean, that they uh, they uh, they choose from. And they, they actually, I think, choose about two or three. I mm -hmm. can't remember exactly. And they're guaranteed to get one of those. So when you get the students in the class, they're doing a lot of technical work, but they're doing it in a content area that's of interest to them. Yes, indeed. And in fact, the faculty usually in the science fiction <laughs> section, which happens to be one of the largest, are usually also very enthusiastic, as you've heard from Kimberlin and me. Um, we're both long-term readers mm -hmm. and, uh, of science fiction. And I think what science fiction offers in particular to the structure that's so helpful is, well, first of all, that enthusiasm, mm -hmm. right? The desire to read. First thing we want to do is awaken a desire to read and to think at a high level. And it's fun to take some texts you've already read and reread them with really serious questions of human identity, the, the understanding of the other. Very often in science fiction, it's an alien or a creature like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It could be um, an other from another planet. It could be just basically a metaphor for race, ethnicity, and gender differences. And science fiction makes that come alive in a way that's very uh, open and safe because it's not our own structures that we already assume, but rather um, make making them alien. And in making them alien, we can see ourselves and our own assumptions in a new light. So I think science fiction is, in fact, one of the very most accessible and exciting ways into this critical thinking Kimberlin mm -hmm. mentioned. I, one other aspect, oh, an, another aspect of this is that I find, particularly for first years, coming from the high school situation, um, situations, that they might find it difficult to move outside of themselves, mm -hmm. out of their thinking about themselves, and to be able to do it in a way that's a little bit more dispassionate. Yes. And, and science fiction allows them to grapple with larger questions of, of life, but also questions that are large to someone who might be 18 years old. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you think of the texts that we read, very famous works. Mm -hmm. These are also great works of literature. As mm -hmm. a literature professor and scholar, I just celebrate all of these. Mary Shelley mm -hmm. Frankenstein, most people know it through the horror movies, which really focus on the creature as monster rather than actual creature as a human being, probably with a soul who receives an education mm -hmm. and is abandoned by mm -hmm. his father slash scientific creator. Mm -hmm. So these questions allow us actually a new way of approaching texts 
and films that people already know. The other ones by Heinlein, Robert Heinlein, Ursula K. Le Guin, and Neil Stevenson are also all major authors in the, well, in the 19th and 20th century and 21st um, century later, some of Stevenson's works, um, all of which address fabulously difficult topics that we're seeing in the news every day. But science fiction allows us to step out of our own framework and rethink our understanding of the other, whether it be race or ethnicity or other planetary creatures, for example. And it, so it can be fun, but it can also be really very serious. How do we respond to people or living things who seem different than us? Science fiction is right up in that question in very exciting ways. And it's great for the students because one of the aspects of the first year experience is getting them to learn how to debate questions in, in a logical way, allowing them to bring themselves into, into the argument, but giving them ways that they can step back and view the argument um, objectively. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really timely. In- Absolutely. In fact, Darko Suvin, one of the great mm. science fiction scholars, calls it, um, it talks about exactly this idea of kind of alienation from yourself so that you're able to come back and look at your own assumptions. And if you think of the films that we watch, too, they also are really fun and really popular. But we bring in evidence, as Kimberlin said, evidence-based scholarship, actual in-depth analyses of these films. They include, well, The Martian, for Mm -hmm, one, mm -hmm. uh, Blade Runner, Alien, and Aliens. Um, And Aliens, of course, is actually about the Vietnam War and the treatment Mm -hmm. of the soldiers um, in that horrific war. And so a lot of the students have seen the films but aren't aware of the much deeper analyses of of otherness and human history and our own events. Oh, we also see Ex Machina, so there's a Mm -hmm. lot of very recent films asking questions questions about robotic otherness and what is human? What is human? These are some of the big questions that we ask. Yeah, and let's let's talk about the other text because I think that idea of what is human and what is essential um, as a human and in life, I think are some of, it's kind of a thread that seems to be running through our um, our text. So I think you'd mentioned already Frankenstein and, and then you know some of the questions that arise from that. We're reading a number of short stories too, and I'd like to just throw those out. Um, we're reading one of the iRobot short stories, um, as well as uh, short stories about overwhelming aspects of technology. Oh, and Bradbury, the, right? Ray Bradbury, uh-huh, the murderer. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a fabulous short story mm-hmm. about overwhelming technology, written in the what fifties or sixties, so exactly. long before yes. today. Yes, and and then we're also reading a, con- a more contemporary story, four eighty eight, and the oh, scientific- that's a new one. Yeah, the newest one. Yeah, it's from twenty fifteen, and mm-hmm. so, but it's again about a post-human um, world in which the synthetic, in which robots actually rule and are 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 um, drawing upon aspects of humanity. So they're actually switching out some of their machine parts for human parts. Um, so it's it, we we get a little bit from the forties. We get this uh, very progressive view of ro- robots as tools. And, and robots starting to think of themselves and become more conscious, then we get um, uh, an aspect in the 50s, which again reflects the time, this kind of um, suspicion of and anxiety about uh, modernism. Mm-hmm. And then we get um, a, a much more contemporary short story. So uh, that, that actually starts to explore the idea of maybe there are some aspects of humanity that we want to dwell upon and that we want to call upon and that um, if we think about more, we can actually emphasize in our societies. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, this question of what is human and what is our relationship to technology is one of the key issues we address in this in this um, first year experience. So we talk about creating life from bodies in Frankenstein to the robotics. So in a way, defining the human very often is associated with intelligence mm-hmm. and as robots. And we know these programs, Amazon, et cetera, they get smarter and smarter about us. And um, the th- idea is eventually they could get as smart as us or smarter. And what that might mean for human beings, um, these are big and exciting questions. Um, and a lot of the films are addressing exactly this issue is take over by the robots and, and are we still human? If we're part machine, are we cyborg? Are we Cylon? Um, what are we and what are we going to become? And of course, many people think we're already cyborgs because we have watches and we are <laughs> so addicted to our phones. And many people have actually mechanistic parts in their bodies to help them after they've been injured, etc. Or even just hearing aids or glasses or artificial teeth or joints. Are we already a cyborg? What does it mean to be human? And we ask these questions in ways that get the students very excited and the debates are very active (laughs) in our class and um, and they also are very serious questions right how do we give rights to others or not give rights to others whether they're robotic or just simply different than us so it raises both powerful difficult questions but also really, really fun texts. And um, I think Ursula K. Le Guin's text is also really exciting, The Lathe of Heaven, and it also asks about dreams and our ability to change the world. Mm -hmm. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to our conversation with Professors Monford and Sullivan talking about the first-year experience course, Science Fiction. So a couple of other texts that we're reading, um, one that I find really, really exciting, and actually I think there's a television version that's out now, um, is the Philip K. Dick, um, The Man in the High Castle. So there's a, um, I believe it's an Amazon series that right now that's kind of uh, dealing with those questions, and it's and it deals with alternate history and what if, what if the Nazis had won, what if the, you know, so uh, how do we think about um, the, the the choices that have been made since then, and 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 then what are the 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 implications for society, and the implications for the choices that people have as they live their day to day lives, and so I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, Philip K. Dick also is the author who inspired so many of our current science fiction mm-hmm. films. His Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, mm-hmm. of course, produced Blade Runner, one of the films we watch. And so to include his alternative ideas about history and technology and what if, this is one of the big questions of science fiction, is what if the world were like this or became like this? And as we live in an era of changing technology at a rate that nobody has ever seen before, so many people describe it specifically specifically as an era of science fiction. Mm -hmm. We're now living Mm -hmm. in the science fiction. And so to explore these texts that may seem ludicrous or may have seen ludicrous now don't seem so strange at all anymore. And um, Philip K. Dick often had his finger on the pulse that we see in the 21st century, though he was writing in the um, 50s and 60s mostly. That's exactly right, yeah. And and continuing with that thread, um, our final text for the series is Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, which is a cyberpunk 
um, st- uh, story that actually just extrapolates from our society right now and just takes it a step further. What if we're totally plugged into our computers or the internet? What if we're totally living uh, video games um, at, um, as certain aspects of our lives? So it continues with this idea of what was science fiction has sometimes become science fact. And so um, the musings of, of uh, authors now makes you wonder how far are we from the times that are portrayed in these novels. Yes, and in fact, I, um, I'd like to also add to Kimberlin's wonderful discussion of Stevenson's Snow Crash because he is interested in ancient history all the way through today and how mm-hmm. language systems and codes, in fact, have always been a part of our culture and how they impact our brains and thinking and how the influence of computer technology changes our brains, literally our thinking, but also our brains and what it would mean to enter ever more into a virtual reality. And the characters in this book live both in a virtual reality and in our material reality as we know it. And the conflicts between the two are fascinating and very relevant as we ask ourselves about religion, about science, about codes, and all of the shapes and forms they come in and what they mean for us. These are very serious ethical and political and economic questions. We need to understand them and address them. And of course, the students have a wild time actually having an opportunity in class to talk about computer technology and the brain in a creative and a speculative way and where we might go and what the horrific or uh, wonderful and awesome potential of that may be. Mm-hmm. And so, Heather, one of the things I'd like to do, if we can maybe take a little bit of a turn here, is talk a little bit more about what's taking place in the classrooms. Yeah. And and so um, your discussion just now, your mention of Neil Stevenson and, and, and some of the codes he draws upon, one of the things that I found really interesting in in the class, actually, let's take a step back and, and talk a little bit about the structure. Yes. So um, a, a number of different first-year experiences divide up the, um, the, the workload differently, but in science fiction, we're kind of keeping close to the writing workshop seminar structure. And so there's two professors who are paired, and one professor deals with the writing workshop aspect, more of the writing technique and skills, and then the other more with the oral um, articulation of, of, of the critical thinking that we're hoping to, to mm-hmm. polish in the, in the students. One of the things that I found when I was working in the writing workshop portion, I'm now in the seminar section, is actually looking at how the authors wrote and how they took these fabulous ideas and then they laid them on the page Mm -hmm. and used that sometimes as writing exercises. Um, And I just found Stevenson's kind of, you know, uh, blast past you, um, fast and furious writing, just so fabulous for Mm -hmm. the students to get a a taste of and to try to write in the style of. Yes, in fact, this combination of writing and reading is a really powerful example. Typically, students have those separate. And in fact, I think you cannot separate them. So by having two professors work together on analysis and writing, you cannot write well without analyzing well. And you cannot analyze well if you don't read at a high level and be able to then articulate that on paper or, as it were, electronically. And so the combination of these two and working with your colleagues has been a really inspiring 
aspect of the of the first year experience sharing ideas the students are always exposed then to multiple ideas we also have um, in terms of structure mm-hmm. a lecture where all of the sections come together once a week and have an expert on that text or that topic come in so we have a lecture on the history of science fiction and some of the contextualization we have um, a political scientist involved and he usually talks about the politics of science fiction we have religion professors who usually talk about the religious themes and ideas in the text um, and my own literary discussion um, kind of historically contextualizing science fiction we also have scientists music mm. and art scholars talking with the insights of the music and the kind of thinking that an artist would do in addressing a text or the kind of questions a scientist would ask. And so this really rounded interdisciplinary approach Mm -hmm. allows us much deeper um, analysis into the text in very fun and different ways. And and in fact, um, Heather, I think the uh, an important part of this is that the students it's the first year experience right yeah. and the students are experiencing the text it's not um, a let's open the books and let's start studying yeah. it's let's watch these films let's listen to the music that help create mm-hmm. um, the, the 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 atmosphere of these films mm-hmm. let's let's look what's going on visually on the screen and then maybe in some cases Let's look at the text that this might have been based on. Mm-hmm. And and for the students, they're really becoming immersed in not only the 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 content, but they're becoming immersed in how the content was created yeah. and what might be the, the reaction, your your personal reaction and maybe more contextual reactions yeah. to some of these things. And I think that there's no way to do it um, as broadly as we can without having all of these different views. So it's very exciting for us as well to have all of these broad views in the lecture because all the professors go as well to that shared Mm -hmm. um, event. It can be a film, it can be, we also have had a film scholar talking about sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of these shared events, we are able to then bring back to the individual sections and the students have opportunities to write and think about it as well as to talk about in reference to the text, films or um, various readings for the day. Um, And so that's a, it's a really great overall way of doing the first year experience. It's very intense, of course, because it's six hours for the students. Many have a total of 12 to 18 hours, so it's a big chunk of their time, this first year experience. It it is. In fact, um, I find that the students are a little bit overwhelmed when they first start. Mm -hmm. First couple of weeks, they kind of have this deer in the head like uh, look every time they come in class and they're never quite sure which professor is going to be standing in front of the class when they come in. But about this third or fourth week, they're really hitting their stride. And from my understanding with discussions and seeing their comments after the courses ended, they really, really got a lot out of this structure. They, they, they like the fact that it's a topic that they're interested in, but we're really intensely developing their skills and mm-hmm. we're holding their feet to the fire. We're not letting them get away with, with anything. And, and so it's their first taste of college, right? Yes. And so they're getting um, a really intense um, experience of of what college uh, life is like and what college work is like. Absolutely, and I think that's a really exciting portion. And to do it through science fiction, mm-hmm. which they just find fun, is mm-hmm. fabulous. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. This is mm-hmm. this is so much fun, and I'm, I'm hoping to continue this discussion in further segments of, of the podcast. But one of the things that I think is so important that we can take away from this is that the, these are opportunities for the students to kind of make their college career, and, and this is their, their first step on the path. Yes. And we're hoping that they enjoy it as much as we we do. Yes, thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the first Tuesday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest topics for future consideration, email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.